0: It's time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teals. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. All your subscriptions, past episodes, and more. We're on Twitter and Instagram at pinballprofile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. Today is kind of a special day. Now, for me, I come here all the time, but I enjoy coming all the time. I want to introduce you to what was once, perhaps in some variation, the Church of the Silver Ball, and now it is Maple Pinball. It is in Mississauga, Ontario, and joining us right now is Shane Jackson and Michael Hanley. Michael, first of all, how are you? Good. Nice to see you. I see your Who t-shirt now. I think I've seen some other pictures around here. Massive Who fan. There can't be a bigger one.
1: I'd like to think, well, I know there's guys that go to every show. I've been to 25 concerts since 89. So I'm I'm a little bit, you know, there's a fine line in the sand between a fan and mental illness. And I kind of tripped over that at some point in time.
0: So, 89 was when they kind of came back. Because if we remember, their last concert ever was Maple Leaf Gardens, about 82. 82,
1: they stopped. And then they did nothing for seven years, except for a little tiny gig called Live Aid.
0: Yeah, I think I was at that 89 show at Exhibition Stadium. And I think they started off with like 30 minutes of Tommy.
1: They did all of Tommy. And then they did, uh, they did two nights. They did a Friday night first. And then they actually put the Thursday night up later. So, we, all the Friday night is the general public. The Thursday night were the diehards. People are crazy enough to buy two tickets.
0: And Shane Jackson, also a big fan of music, too. I mean, Iron Maiden, his Holy Grail pin, his first new-in-box game at Maple Pinball. And uh, perhaps Rush Pinball will be coming here soon? Quite possibly, yes. (laughs) You never know. But you're a drummer, too, and I've come across many people in pinball that are drummers. Myself included. And maybe it's the hand-eye
2: coordination for well, multi-balls? Know, they, they, they say that the drummer was the stupidest person in the band, you know. And uh, I, I thought I, they said I, they didn't I, get the chicks. <laughs> 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 well, you know, I've heard other things too. But anyway, it's, uh, I've, I've also heard that, uh, you know, don't underestimate the drummer of the band because he's typically usually the smartest one. And, you know, the hand-eye coordination probably is uh, a little bonus. Well, when we talk about the
0: Holy Trinity, I mean, is the professor not the smartest yeah. one of Rush? Yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the lyrics, you know, the, the greatest songs, it was, it was amazing.
1: His drum kit was just unbelievable. The, the, the sheer quantity of yeah. drums that he was surrounded by, and they all had a function.
0: That was the one
2: thing. So we're
0: going to get to pinball in a second, but as we talk <laughs> about Rush, when you watch Neil... Music first, Jeff, When you watch Neil... <laughs> You say, okay, how in the hell do you do that? Especially something like Tom Sawyer, which even in his later days, as they did the R forty tour, he said it's still one of the hardest songs to do live because there are so many changes in that. It's a real
2: different style, and there was only one Neil Peart for sure. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm more of the I've always been into the songs on every album that wasn't the big radio hits and became my favorites on the albums, other than the radio hits like uh, Anthem off of Fly By Night, right? like Just a fabulous song, excellent. Okay, let's talk some history here. The Church
0: of the Silver Ball was kind of a legendary place in Mississauga and it was the brainchild of Michael Hanley, but we gotta go back even further. Michael started collecting, I mean, you listening right now, maybe you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, not Michael. 13. 13! I started playing at seven. By the time I was eight, a book came out. Michael Comer's
1: book was released. Got the book for Christmas. Read it so much that the pages all fell out. (laughs) So I said to my parents, I want to buy a pinball. They're like, nobody buys a pinball. This is stupid. You can't do this. Then I saw a Jan and Dean movie on TV. And in the background, Jan had a pinball in his house. And I said, look, look, look. He's got a pinball. And they're like, well, yeah, but he's a a musician. He's a rock star. He can afford a pinball. I said, OK, if I save up for it, can I get one? Sure. So little did they know that I would start saving every penny I could find. Now back then we had two liter pop bottles and there was a deposit on those. So I was picking up pop bottles, taking them back. We had a beer store near us and the teenagers would get brave and on a Friday night they get a 12 pack and they'd drink them, but they'd never take the bottles back. Saturday morning I'd go pick them up and take the bottles back. I'm like seven years old. I got kicked out of the beer store constantly for showing up with empties. Trying wow, to
0: your dad's a drunk.
1: Where's your father? <laughs> he's, well, he's at home. Why, why? Because you're not allowed to be in here. Why not? i I don't want to buy beer i just want to take these back what do you want the money for
0: pinball very very cool and again i mean the money was just right there with the empties it obviously turned into you buying pinball machines and i think shane you once told me we're gonna we're gonna go all over the place here but shane i remember you telling me there was a kiss machine here a kiss ballet machine in here and there's a neat history of that because you own that machine long long ago sold it and some way somehow
2: got it back and yeah. it's got a lot of sentimental value to you. Yeah, I what, what year one. would that have been, Mike? Like 90, Eight? I think it was like 92. Okay. So anyway, I buy my first Kiss machine. It's done. The playfield is like bare wood. I go to the auction in Toronto that used to happen on Kipling Avenue every month and I meet Bob Manley who had a cabinet and a playfield that was much better than the one I had. So I took them, and I took the back glass out of mine and the boards and put them in this new one, and voila, I had a a better-conditioned KISS machine. So I asked Mike, I met Mike at the auction too, and I said, do you want this cabinet and playfield? Yep! Mike takes everything. If it's free, he takes it. (laughs) (laughs) And he stores it here at Maple. We'll get to that in a second.
1: Wait a minute, I think you charged me for it. I don't remember getting it free. (laughs) No, you probably did
0: the common thread here is these two have collected several games over the years well,
1: there's more to that story shane disappears for what 15 20 years 20
0: 25 yeah. and then out of the blue he shows up
1: again and he comes over to the old church this is this actually maple was the second church so he comes over to the old church and the son of the bitch is sitting up on the rack and he goes that's my old kiss body it's like how do you remember that
0: and it was. Did you carve your initials in
2: it? Did no, you get high no. School? no it I remember that when I yeah. got my first game that somebody had burnt the noses on all the faces on the side of the cabinet. And <laughs> sure enough, the noses are burnt. There still are now. Good chance Ace <laughs> probably did that on his own, if we're being <laughs> honest.
1: <laughs> it had just sat on the rack for 20 years. We never got around to doing anything with it.
0: So, the Church of the Silver Ball. Sure. This was your brainchild. You had been collecting machines over and over again, but... When you started this, correct me if I'm wrong, was it not 98? It was 98. That's kind of after the heyday. When we hear about these great arcades, we hear of Broadway Arcade in New York City, the late, great Steve Epstein, uh, his wonderful arcade and, and how they had new games in. And then we saw kind of games go away. We saw pinball companies go away. And here you are with this great collection over the years. Opening it up in ninety-eight when home consoles were certainly more popular. The internet was there, not everyone had it so much in ninety-eight, or it was the old gong gong gong, the old yeah. dial-ups. You opened an arcade. The reason is
1: we had rented a small building for several years before that. My wife and I had rented them and we'd bring games in, fix them up, and sell them. But we also had racking in the back where we stored our collection. We had like six games, seven games at home, but you know, we had I don't know, another hundred there on the racks. And uh, there was just lots of games coming and going. We operated with my brother-in-law, which is where I met Shane, we had a route with about twelve bowling centers and a couple restaurants and a laundromat and that kind of stuff, just to pay for brand new games to justify spending three grand on a Simpsons. Operate it for a year and then you could bring it home.
0: Well, okay, let's talk about that. That was the Daddy Simpsons, please, please, please. Yep. That game, and I remember, I think I heard a story of you seeing it. Maybe it was at Expo or something yes, like that. Yes, we
1: went on the factory tour and we saw them being made. My wife goes, "Holy cow, we got to go get one of those games." So when your wife tells you to buy a pinball brand new, you go buy one the next day. Hello,
0: yeah. So this is 1990, video games are very prominent, but you were still earning well on this game. I, well, think about The Simpsons when it first came out. That's season 2 and they were everywhere, the marketing of The Simpsons. So it was a good earner for you. 600 bucks a week. And it cost you how much? 3
1: grand. You you had it paid. You split it 50-50 with the location, but still, it paid for itself very quickly. So the deal was, as soon as it was paid for, we'd bring it home. Well, it was still making good money, so I left it out there for like two years before it started to slow down. And buy more pinball machines. Buy more pinball machines. So then I think for the first location, we went out and bought a spring break and a Diamond Lady and a Galaxian video game and a Super Chex, you know, that kind of stuff. A little bit of everything. But I also took an old Gottlieb Kingpin because being an EM guy, diehard EM guy, I figured this is a bowling center like a bowling game. It made $40 a week for 10 years. That's amazing. And it never broke down.
0: Well, I guess the reason games like that earned well at bowling alleys is they were twenty five cents, you got five balls versus three balls with the new game, so it would last longer.
1: Two games for a quarter. Two games even. And we were pretty liberal with like, you know, the replay scores and that because I mean the game was paid for. It was a two hundred dollar machine, so everything it made was profit.
0: That is interesting because you sometimes see operators not have a lot of matches or the high scores are cranked. Well, don't you kind of want to get people enjoying pinball and playing more? You don't want somebody monopolizing the game. I get that, but there's gotta be a fine line. So maybe you found that. Why you're laughing, Shane? <laughs>
2: No, they, they don't want you to keep playing pinball. They just want your quarters. But because you when, okay. when coils would be not working in a game, they would put a drywall screw so that the ball wouldn't go into that spot anymore and so it wouldn't screw up and you'd not you'd keep putting quarters into it. Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, uh, Quick fixes. We used to call that the starburst
1: fix because out on route, they would drill nails in play fields just to keep the game running over a weekend.
0: Well, they weren't alone, so I'm sure that was the way. But again, back to the Church of the Silver Ball. This is now something you've opened in 98. You had been writing games for a while. Yep. And you had this huge collection. What made the end happen for the church?
1: What made the end happen? Oh, that's a good question. I finally Because
0: you survived the hard part. Oh, yeah.
1: And we were up in to 2010, 2013. I just decided I had enough. I was working there, let's see. Monday nights was Boy Scouts. Every Monday night, we had Boy Scouts in. Tuesday nights was Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Uh, Wednesdays, I did repairs. Fridays, we had an open house so anyone could come. Saturdays, there was tournaments during the day, people in the evening, and Sunday's birthday parties. So it's like, when do I get to play? Never.
0: Yeah, and you're always fixing games. And that's where Shane kind of comes in because here at Maple Pinball, yourself, Doug Baird, friend of both of yours, a great Text when it comes to machines. You, you've fixed some of my gems and I really appreciate that. It is an art. It is something every time I ask you, Shane, you say, oh, it's easy. It's this, it's this. It's not easy. I mean, I've heard stories of Michael talking about, you know, reading schematics at 13. You're on the uh, Vancouver Island pinball podcast a couple of times and they were a really good episodes. So just check them out. But it's not easy. How do you figure this out? Shane, teach me.
2: It's, it's, you just do it for years and that, years. No, and you now. don't do it. You, you <laughs> touch something, you get zapped. No, no, you do. You just do it. And there's, you know, over the years, there's been a lot of mess ups. I've, Somebody I've, must have taught I, you. I blew a lot of fuses, I blew a lot of transistors. You're not cell. this
0: child born with huge metachlorine,
2: all right? Somebody was your Jedi Master. Who taught well, you I, this? I've been doing it for 30 years. So it's, it was a lot of trial and error. There's no Jedi Master. It was back to the auction. I, I bought my KISS machine and I've always been the kind of person to, I have to know how this thing works. So I'm going to do it myself. So I met a couple of people at the auction and picked their brain and do this, okay. Um, Well, not to mention when I was 10, my mother pretty much taught me how to solder, so that was a little bit of a bonus. I've got a car that's got some difficulty. Can you look under the hood? It should be easy, right? No, no, no. No,
0: no. Shane, it's easy. (laughs) It's easy, you just do it. (laughs) Do you see my analogy? No, here? Yeah, okay, yeah, it's not it. just easy,
1: but and, and you really have changed over the years because I remember when I first met you, you you couldn't fix games at all. no, and I remember oh, you, he used ha- to what happened, he used to scrap system ones. That was the first thing I remember <laughs> genies and sinbads. Oh my God, he's killing them off. And then a couple of years later that stopped. And then next time I met you, you were good every pairing game. yeah,
2: yeah well, you and, just and you, now you you're do fantastic. enough of them. It's They all work the same. I mean, whether it's a Stern or a Gottlieb or a Bally or a Williams, they all have the same functions and, and you know, the same wiring switch matrix. Mm. Same with cars. It, well, no. Oh, I oh okay. <laughs> all
0: right. I just, I'm just trying to dumb you down a little bit because every <laughs> I time you. I, I, I come you. here, I'm amazed at, at what you do. This is Maple Pinball here in Mississauga, kind of an industrial road
2: area. It's a huge warehouse with how many games now? Uh, I think we're up to 46, but we're getting up to 60 soon.
0: So a lot of competitions, usually on Friday nights. I'm here on a Saturday right now. You have this, I guess, the monthly rent is due tournament. <laughs> yeah, and rent has to be paid. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun too. Uh, pizza and drink and food and all that good stuff. And a lot of people come from all over, like hours away because yeah. the lineup is good. And it's a good mix. So Michael, Shane, you both fix games. You've had arcades. You You've got these great showrooms. I know, Shane, you're going to say it's easy, but <laughs> what type of game is the easiest and most difficult to fix?
1: Single-player wedge heads are the easiest.
0: Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. There's Why? Less relays. The, the least <laughs> complex of the no beast. There's no player unit? <laughs> the two-player and the four-player are much, much more difficult. Yeah. So, the, the, like, a wedge head is your best place. Even a 50s game, that's not a bad place to start either because they're simpler. Yeah.
0: When you say fifties, you don't mean wood, wood rails. rails. Really? really? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's not a lot to them. I can fix the plunger. I mean, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> but I have a feeling I could probably figure that
1: out. <laughs> no, there's, there's not a lot to them. I mean, the forties games are really sparse. There, there's not a lot of circuitry involved in them. Three or four stepper units, a couple of relays to reset
0: it. That's it. But you don't see a lot of those.
1: Well, that's the thing. They're just all worn out and tired. The playfields are probably beat at this point. We have a few. We have about five or six wood rails kicking around. At one point I had 20 set up, no one would play them. They all look, they like to look at them. They go, these are beautiful. Look at the artwork. Yeah, play it. Oh, no, no, I don't want to touch it.
0: Well, that's funny you should say that because I went to Clay's in Michigan, VFW, and The Holy and Grail. The Holy Grail, Jesus. 350 games, let's say, mint condition, tax, all that kind of good stuff. You know it and most people listening to this podcast know it. And he had a lineup of all these wood rails. And my first reaction was, yes, look, take pictures. But then I thought, okay, they're here to be played. He opens it up for this weekend and so much fun and just unique things yeah. and, and nudging, right? Yeah. I mean, Shane's a very... I play Shane quite a bit and Shane's very good at the EMs and uh, he just sucks at Spider-Man. That's a side note. <laughs> uh, but but, but, e, no, no. EMs and solid states, I mean, there is a real art and it's funny because a lot of people are getting into the new games, new games, and they don't appreciate
2: yes. the older games. Yes. The older games teach you those skills. Yes, they do. They do. Well, that's quite often where I beat you is the older games. Take it easy, <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> I'll remind everyone
0: to go to IFPA, Pimp. .com and check out players to play no, no you, you know I, joking aside we play one of those games flip a coin right yeah yeah exactly because yeah. it's anybody's it, game. it's not and it's not because of luck no it is nudging no. and yeah. plunging yeah.
2: and all that kind of good stuff yeah. so those are the easiest to fix
1: those easiest. what are the hardest what are the hardest are the rotation eight.
2: I I'd, I'd say Williams system three to seven because they don't really have a diagnostic to tell you what's going on unless you get this test chip, which I have to get. <laughs> what would be some of those games? Oh, like Flash and Firepower and uh, you know along that era, Gorgar. Yeah. Okay.
1: Rotation eight. That's just the biggest pig to fix. It's a four a four player sit down round game that Bally oh, Midway made. Yes. If you find one running that guy's a genius. Keep that sucker running. It's just a pig. <laughs> it's the the circuitry and
0: it's grotesque. The rotation ones. Yeah, I I think I've seen I've seen them once or twice, but yeah, I mean that's
1: I tried one. I looked in the inside and I farted around with it for a little bit and thought, not going to happen. Better to leave it to someone who's better than I am. So
0: You both love collecting pinball machines. There is a warehouse. We're going to have some pictures here. And by the way, I want you to check out the pinball shenanigans with Mike Dimas. So Mike's kind of video uh, walkthrough of Maple Pinball, and you'll see some unique things that we're going to be talking about. But when it comes to collecting games, what is
2: it you're looking for? Is it price? Is it the uniqueness? Is it something you've always wanted? It's uniqueness. Like, well, Gilligan's Island. Where do you play Gilligan's Island? Like we just got an ice fever in today. Where do you see an ice fever to play? Like I like the rarity of the games. You know, you can't go somewhere and play this game. That's what I look for.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the same way. And there's certain games I've always looked for. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm still looking for a good volley because I've had a few. I and, have one, and I, I sold the last one, and I regret it. So you know, we can't have them all, but it's that's one on the list. But, you know, I find, I said to my wife, I've become a bit of a pinball snob now, go to Allentown. So there's like 400 games set up there, right? And I walk around and go, nah, nah, because I'm looking for something new and exciting. A Gilgans Island, an Ice Fever, something I haven't seen before or haven't seen in so long that it's like, holy crap, that's worth my time to play.
0: When I come to Maple to warm up, if I'm playing a new game, I'll play the Iron Maiden Premium that you have, a very nice one. And Shane, you asked me, why don't I have one? And the reason I don't, it's one of my favorite games. Yeah. It's But can, they're everywhere. I can play it everywhere. Yeah. So I'm like you. I like the unique things, especially when space is limited. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean new games coming out. I'm like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Or maybe it's a theme that you're attracted to. But some of the unique things here at Maple,
2: you mentioned Ice Fever. What else do you got? Mousing around is one you don't see very often. Aladdin's Castle, I played for the first time Aladdin, today. Aladdin's Castle. Well, it's kind of, there's a lot of those I've around. I've never seen one. No, never? No? Oh, okay. Uh, truck Stop, we have. oh uh, Hard
0: Body. My friend Gene X Wong wants a Hard Body game because I think he, he photographed Rachel McLeish. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fun game. Underrated.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, not one of my favorites, but that's <laughs> the thing about pinball, right? It, it might be your favorite and not my favorite. That's okay. It's all pinball. It's good.
0: Michael? You have a interesting history too, being here in the Greater Toronto area. You friended somebody many years ago, and that would be John Papaduke, who is from yes. this area. And uh, you know and I know uh, I'm a big fan of his games. I think his games are absolutely spectacular. Me too.
2: There's something about Na- them name one that isn't eight to ten thousand dollars, right? Well,
0: there's that I am you know, Star Wars episode one, I mean if you gotta have a week one, I guess it's right, that. But right. everything else, my gut. We talk about World Cup Soccer ninety four, the easiest game to explain to somebody, this is what you do. And it's pretty easy. Oh, I see a goalie going back forth. Oh, by the way, that goalie is Michael Hanley.
1: Yeah, I got a call one day. John goes,
0: I need a photo of you. And this is before the
1: internet, really. It's 94, right? 93. And it's like, why do you need a photo? He goes, just shut up and take a picture and send it to me. Okay. So my wife took some photos, had them developed one hour, put them in the FedEx, sent them down. And I said, "What's this for?" And he goes, "You just have to wait and see." And he wouldn't tell me what it was until the game came out. <laughs> so uh, I mean, that's a pretty cool honor to put yes. your face on there. So then later on, um, he also put Wade Domit, who ran three coins down on the lakeshore. He's the uh, the guy on the back glass kicking the ball into the net. Okay. So nobody really knows about that unless you know Wade. That it, hey, that kind of looks like Wade. Circus Voltaire. He said to me when Circus was coming out, "You got to check Circus out." carefully. And it's like, so I go to new way and I look at it and I don't see anything. I'm looking and looking and looking. And he goes, no, no, keep looking, keep looking. So he's, he's hidden my name on it in several spots. So yeah, you know, should I give it away to your listeners at this point? Well, you can give one Easter egg. Sure. So, so, okay. Well, I'm going to give away, I'll give away three Easter eggs here because I don't have a circus right now, but I, I know it works on uh, visual pinball and, you know, the emulators in a track mode, hit both buttons, then hit left seven, right 11, and then hit both again. Okay. brings up a list of Canadian pinball people. So it's me, my kids, my ex-wife, his wife, his sister, his sister-in-law, Wade, Terry Cumming from New Market. All our names scroll through there. It's like, son of a gun, that is so cool, you know, when it was new.
0: Pretty cool. You said there cool. was another Easter egg? Uh,
1: our name's on the play field down in the bottom right by the out lane. There's a red post dividing the in and out lane, and there's a little white box that says Hanley Company on it. Wow. And if you look on the back glass, on the, well, the plastic translate in the bottom right corner, there is uh, a series of three purple cables that the girl's standing on, or sorry, maybe he's standing on them, and it says Hanley Company on one of them.
0: Isn't that something? So that was kind of cool that he stuck up sure. there. Sure. That's just for supporting him. Well, Shane showed me this two years ago. I have kept quiet about this for two years. I looked on my phone. The photo was taken December 29th, 2019. I'm here at Maple and I'm remember looking.
2: remember you almost killed yourself trying to get in and take the picture. <laughs> I saw, Because I, there was so much crap in the way. <laughs> again, we'll show you some pictures.
0: And I said, what is that? Is that what I think it is? And it was the prototype for Alice in Wonderland that yes. John Papaduke and yourself worked on. Explain that.
1: Okay, so back in 89, I used to frequent a, kind of like a junk store and memorabilia store called Nostalgia Villa on the Queensway at Kipling, I think it was. Might have been Islington in Toronto. And the guy that ran it was a crusty older fellow. And one day... Shane's standing right there. Oh, another guy. Oh, a different guy, even crustier. Oh. And before he kicks me out of the store, he says to me, my son's opening a store next week in Mississauga. You should go check it out. He's going to have pinballs there. Really? He said the magic word. I'll be there. So we show up Saturday morning, 10 o'clock, and sure enough, there's a couple of pinballs in there. We get to know the guy, uh, become friends with him, still a good friend with him, Ron Antonio. And uh, he had this chain of stores called uh, Commercial Break uh, for a while. I guess it was in the 90s in shopping malls where he sold memorabilia, Coke signs, Budweiser stuff, neon, that kind of thing. And um, one time he goes, hey, there's a guy in here who does my neon signs. And uh, he used to work for Bally. I got to meet this guy. And he goes, yeah, I figured that. Here's his business card. Awesome. So I right away, I go home and phone him right away and introduce myself. And we start gabbing. He said, he's got a game for sale. And I want to pick his brains. I want to hear all about working for Bally. How did you get in? What did you do? That kind of stuff. So I said, well, I'd like to see the pinball. And he goes, it's a 1937 Bally payout game called Challenger. It's got a little conveyor belt where you see the nickels move across. Okay. And you put your nickel in, and it makes the trajectory across the front. And then if you win, it falls and comes back out. And if you lose, it goes inside the machine.
0: And people wonder how pinball was banned, Exactly.
1: (laughs) Nickels sitting there for the taking.
0: All you have to do is win them. Thank you, Roger. Thank (laughs) you, Roger. (laughs) (laughs) God bless you,
1: Roger. So uh, he says, I'll bring it over tomorrow night and you can take a look at it. So he brings it over. I end up buying it off of him and we gab and gab and gab and become fast friends. And uh, he goes, You need to come by my shop one day and take a look at some of the designs when I used to work at Bally. And he's told the story before at Pinball Expo where um, Norm Clark, who was working at Bally, was a Canadian. He's from Montreal. And so John sent him a letter saying, I would love to come and see how you make pinballs and work for you. And Norm Clark sent out the standard form letter. Thank you very much for your interest. Here's some flyers. If you're ever in town, come by for a tour. John packed his bag and left that night and showed up the next morning, knocked on the door and said, hi, I'm here to see Norm Clark. And they're like, do you have an appointment? He sent me this letter and said, if I'm ever in town, come see him. (laughs) He said it yesterday. So... Norm's like, oh, uh, oh, okay. And they gave him the tour. And at the end of the tour, they said, well, let's, we'll take you out for lunch. And they took him to a steakhouse, bought him a big steak lunch. And then they said, well, it's been really nice. Thanks for coming. And he goes, I'm not going home. You got to hire me. I'm not leaving. Wow. And they're like, what do you mean you're not leaving? He goes, no, no. Give me a job, I'll do anything. So he got a job there as an assistant working for the de- developers, the designers. And I know he shared an office with Dennis Nordman at, at one point. I don't know at when, but before he had his own place, because, you know, he was the junior. Gary Gayton was building games back at that time. Ward, Pemberton, Raymond Merchant was writing the operating system for the first generation ballet games. So... Um, John's there and he's working and everything's good. And then Bally and Williams merge or Williams takes over Bally and he doesn't have a green card. And so Williams says, you got to go back home. So back to Canada, he comes and uh, then he starts building neon. He's, he's actually designing and making neon signs. That's when I run into
0: him. So he show, you can tell he's just, he's a pinball guy through and through. People, when they talk about John, they talk about, he certainly might not be the best business person. We, we understand that. We're not talking about that. Yes. We're talking about the making of pinball machines and really... He's an artist.
1: It's in his blood. He is an artist. He's incredible how he can continuously come up with new ideas and make them happen. And I, I was just always amazed watching him work. So I had a full-time job. I was working for Computerland. So twice a day, someone would come over and go, hey, we've got a problem. Can you help me? Yeah. The rest of the time, I was coding. And I was working on this game for John and I. But I would go off to work, and I'd come back, and he would have developed something new on the machine. Like This is Alice? This is Alice. Oh, I guess I skipped a little bit here. So really what happened was he started showing me drawings and he had a hundred games drawn on paper, full-size vellum paper, and they were incredible. And they're way better than anything Bally was building at the time. You know, like, Beat the Clock, Spy Hunter, you know. Um, Not exactly City.
2: strong ballet titles. City
1: Slickers. I mean, just dogs. Terrible, terrible games. Hard
2: body. Hard bodies. <laughs> hey, how many, hey, hey, hey. Nobody likes
1: hard bodies, right? Hey. Actually, City Slickers sounded cool. It used to have an external flipper button for a second player. So if you were playing, I would have the button on a cord, and I could flip the other flipper to try and make you lose. Wow. What? That, apparently, they were worried people would cut the cord and steal the button. So
0: Or beat the hell out of somebody who did that to me. I mean, let's exactly. be honest. Okay, so actually, we're going to do a little walk right now. Okay. We're going to walk to the back, and we're going to go see Alice and describe this play field, and I'll show you some pictures too. So Shane shows me this in a – we've walked back. Shane shows me this – huge rack, this warehouse where there's stacks and stacks of pinball machines and I see, I don't know if I saw the side that said Alice in Wonderland, I certainly saw the, you know, the mock Bally Translite if you will, that's not even a translate. Is that a painting? What is it's, that?
1: Uh, we had a, well, we had that made at Kinko's. So we we went for breakfast one morning, and we stopped to get gas on the way back. In Petro Canada, had fairy tale books for ninety nine cents when you filled up, and this one was Alice in Wonderland this week. And we had just decided at breakfast the game was going to be called Alice in Wonderland, and there we go, and Alice in Wonderland staring in our face on a poster. So we bought the book, drove to Kinko's, and had the picture blown up to back glass size.
0: This is a game, Shane. That was going to be made. It was apparently one of the Deep Root games. Uh, Obviously, we know what happened with Deep Root. And one of the Zidware games. It was going to be... I I don't care who does it. It needs to be made. Okay. It is certainly unique. Take a look at the pictures we've put on Instagram, on our Facebook page, and also Twitter. So unlike uh, unlike other John games, sometimes his plungers will feed right to the flipper. If you think of World Cup Soccer and Tales of Arabian Night, Theatre Magic. They go right to that right flipper. This is not that case.
1: This is supposed to feed up over here and go right to the top to the three
0: lanes there. I see some captive balls underneath. One's underneath a ramp. One is in a scoop.
1: That's just from when the game was shifted. The balls from inside have rolled in there and they should come out.
0: Oh, okay. So, but, they, th- but those are locks?
1: No, they are locks. They're not, Yeah, so they, they oh. shouldn't be there now.
0: And if you go on the left out lane, there's this flipper in the apron... And there's a ramp behind the left flipper. So when you go on the outlane, you have a one flip chance to flip it up over a ramp over to get it to get it back, get the it back left into left the play left. field.
1: Yeah, over the left flipper back into play. That's kind of coming from uh, a couple of Zachariah games we saw, like Farfalla, where they have those inline flippers on the outlane where you get one shot to flip it in. So that was kind of his homage to that. And it was a pink flamingo, which is thus the, the pink flipper down Oh, there. wow.
0: What else is on here, Michael?
1: Okay, so there were several features on here that ended up on other games. because. So let's go back to the drawings. He had all these drawings, and I kept bugging him and bugging him, and he had photographs of games that he actually built evenings. He'd work all day long doing his regular job, and at 5 o'clock when they stopped, he would design his own games and build them. He built like 30 games, 40 games over two years and they on whitewoods were fully functional games that wow. you could play N- not necessarily code artwork or anything. Or anything like that but functional you could flip them and there was one that had uh, three slot uh, machine reels in it that was awesome and another one called ice castles which was way better than anything anybody was making at the time but they you know he was the junior guy and I think he had to pay his dues first there were senior guys that were way above him in the totem pole so they didn't get built but it taught him a lot about the process right he learned a lot and I know he said when Steve Ritchie came on when Williams merged, Steve was incredibly good to him. Taught him oodles.
0: So you have this game because you were working on it.
1: What did you do? So I did the software on it and I was kind of the muse where he would throw ideas on it. So uh, we have the, the main ramp here, the Cheshire Cat ramp. That's pretty much the same ramp that ended up on World Cup Soccer.
0: John likes forward. long ramps, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, it's a good shot. It's a real nice, satisfying shot. But what this one's early got in it is got a neon tube. And as the ball travels, the neon lights up. It doesn't just come on solid, it travels as the ball moves. So it's it's really a great visual effect. The second thing would be the vanish. Well that's on Arabian Nights. That's the same vanish. Five years later or ten years later, it got made there. And this little sucker here, this is the trunk. Well, the trunk is really theater oh, yeah. magic. And how the trunk came about was really cool. I had a little tiny piece of this one. John didn't even remember this till I reminded him about it years later. We were sitting around his place and he had some scrap play leaning against the wall that we would steal parts from and we were imagineering. And he had a Williams game, I think, called Derby Day. And it. I think it's the same unit that's also used on beat time where it's got four stand-up targets that rotates 90 degrees at a time. And uh, on... Beat time—it's got you know three, six, nine, and twelve for the clock. He also had a plastic cube that he'd made in shop when he was in high school, and it was just sitting there on the shelf. I picked up the cube and stuck it on top of the Derby Day mechanism, and he goes, "Give me that." I hand it to him. He goes, "That's really cool. You've made a cube." I said, "Well, no, I didn't. I stuck this plastic <laughs> box on this part that was over here. This whole piece of crap." But I went to work that day. And when This came is all
0: back, before 3D printers, which oh, yeah. would be so much easier oh, now. Yeah.
1: And, and when I went to work that day, I came back and he integrated it into the game. It wasn't there the day before. And he's like, look, look, look. I found a spot for it. And this is how it works. And this is what it's going to do. So it was just awesome watching this genius. And I mean, he was the genius, all the ideas came from him. He would say, what do you think, this or this? And I'd say, that. Okay, yeah, I think this too. And then he would go off and do a whole bunch of stuff. So he said to me, you can do the software. And I thought, okay, yeah, I'm a software guy. I could do a little bit of software. I'd done some coding, but not a lot.
0: I'm looking at a unique lower playfield chain. I don't know what, when you see this, I'm seeing the clock, I'm seeing a ball, I'm seeing an arrow, I'm seeing almost a glass-like Creature in a way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And okay. it's got a piece of neon around it, too, that you don't see right now that lights it up. And the ball gets moved around by the clock hand turning.
0: Kind of like teed off in a way, or?
1: Well, you know how teed off has that spinning yeah. disc. Yeah. But instead of the whole thing rotating, just the clock just hand. Just the, the
0: clock. Okay. And Interesting. I wonder how close this would have been to whatever was being planned at Deep Root because you have the game here. I don't know if he has the ideas. Well,
1: so about, you know, because John and I were still in touch. Uh, I'm the godfather for their kids. So, you know, we see them three or four times a year pre-pandemic. And uh, at one point, I got a phone call from Larry DeMar. Now, I, I'd never met Larry. I knew who he was. And he goes, hi, I don't know if you know me, but I'm John's boss. And I said, yes, I know who you are. And he goes, John has something in his office that I want him to take out because we're working on something new, which happened to be Star Wars episode one, but I didn't know it at the time. And uh, he goes, John tells me it's half yours and I can't throw it in the dumpster. And I said, oh, I'd be really sad if you threw it in the dumpster. And he goes, okay, well, you know, we were going to cut it up and throw it out. And it's like, oh, you can't do that. No. And I said, I'm coming to Expo in three weeks. Can you hold it for me? And he goes, that's a deal. So when I showed up for Expo, it was sitting in John's garage. They'd wrapped it in plastic. It was this. Yeah. So they gave it back.
2: Shane, I know you took it out. I, where was it before you brought it out here? It was underneath the racking in the newly opened second row where we're putting more games to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this so, is sadly going to go up on a shelf and be stored until something's done with it.
0: When you say sadly thrown on a shelf, it reminds me of Indiana Jones, Raiders yeah, of the Lost Ark, you know. Uh, <laughs> we've got top people on it, there top There are
1: people. plans for it. There are plans for it. So right now I have a a man
0: cave under construction.
1: I have a 14 foot long ball bowler and 13 pins in there. That's all I can get in there at the moment. I maybe can get one more game in the aisle, but I'm thinking in the spring, I'm going to sell the ball bowler. At that point, I can get another five games in. So (laughs) it's all about space, right? It's always maybe go to two levels and then sleep underneath them or something. So this will come back as will a couple other prototypes that I have.
0: Wow. So it's here at Maple Pinball. You might be able to see it if you come here in the next little while. But if you have anything that needs fixed, that is Toronto Pinball Repair, correct?
2: Yes, torontopinballrepair.ca is our website.
0: I know you do house calls, but you can bring machines here, which is obviously if that's something you can do, it's, yeah. it's a little cheaper well, for you we, to do so. we,
2: we give people sort of a break if they can you know, get the machine out of their basement, get it in their car and get it to us, then we'll give them half off of the, the labor. You and Doug as well
0: uh, are working on a lot of
2: machines. How much time do you think you put into machines? Oh my god. Well, I work full time (laughs) 40 hours a week, so anytime that I'm not at work, I'm here working on machines. Yeah, it's something and uh, I'm looking at the stack of here, there's
0: probably uh, 10 on the go or more. Oh, there's probably about 20 here to be (laughs) repaired, yeah. But that's the thing, especially when we're talking about vintage games that are 30, 40, 50 plus years old, you know, to be able to bring them back to Life and uh, it, it's a real treat. I was talking to somebody the other day. It was about coil stops, and he was an operator. Maybe you both know him, Dan Beeson. Yep. Dan was saying that you know when he gets a new new machine to him, but an older machine, he would do a lot of flipper repairs. Yep. And he told me something. He said. I kind of wish I didn't do that on some older games because the flippers were better. It would have been better
2: to fix them than to replace them. What do you think of that, Shane? I leave coils alone. I just replace stops and sleeves and linkages and all, this, all the stuff that gets worn out. Um, it, it's a must. You have to. Even older games, I mean, it just makes the flippers that much more alive.
1: But generally, the new coil stops in the last five years, they're all crap quality of the new coil stops has been terrible.
0: That's common everywhere. The, my friends at Slam Tilt talk about that all the time. Why is that the case?
1: I found uh, the last three brand new in the box games I had, all of them had magnetized coil stops within six months. One flipper would stick all of a sudden and it's like, really? Change the coil stop and you're good for another year.
0: I've talked to other people that are like Shane and other people that repair. It's tough to find coil stops now. Why? Oh, you can find them for any game. But, but quality ones, ones, yeah, yeah ones. I, it's just... Boy, do we sound like a bunch of old people, like, you know, back in the day they made these to last, but. Okay, it, it, we used to have good coil stops. It, <laughs> it, it, it is kind of true. Anyway, it is what it is. The website again Toronto Pinball dot CA. And Michael, Shane, it's a pleasure. Thanks for spending time and uh, showing me around this. It's, yes, it's a league, it's got an arcade, it's a place where you can it's get
2: more. Where you can repair. There's prepare. a heart put into it. There's it's love ridiculous. put into it's it. It's ridiculous. It's so much fun,
0: <laughs> and I, I appreciate it. And by the way, you you rotate a lot of games, and, yep. and you've got new games. You've got you got Zeppelin. You've got Guns N' Roses. You've got uh, the yep. new ones as they come Lots in. Lots of new games, yeah. yeah so that's Godzilla exciting. Godzilla
2: is on order.
0: Nice. Nice. Michael, Shane, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Pinball Profile. Emails pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis.